Lily, Mac. Uh. I assume that at some point in your childhood, you accidentally or intentionally consumed some kind of violent media. Is this true? Yes. No. As a Quaker and a pacifist, I have never, ever seen violence. Well, Lily, you're probably okay, but then Mac, I gotta ask you a question. (laughs) What violence have you committed because of this violent media that you consumed? Oh my god, all of the violence. All of the violence? (laughs) In the world? Every single one. I consider myself a a pretty safe, classy person. I do very little violence. I like how classiness is the opposite of violence. <laughs> if, if that's true, then James Bond has some soul-searching to do. Oh, well, God. yeah. Walking contradiction. Anyway, Mac, if you didn't do any violence because of the violent media you consumed, then you are useless to a man named Frederick in the 1950s. Oh. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, Frederick. Welcome to Big Time Whoopsies, a podcast about incompetence. My name is Eric McAdams, and each week I tell you, the listener, and some friends of mine, a story from history involving massive incompetence. Today I have my sister Lily and her boyfriend Mac. Woo! (laughs) Say hello, children. Hello! How's it going? It's going pretty good. Thanks for asking, Mac. How are you guys doing? Caffeinated. Very. (laughs) <laughs> is that that goes for both of you it's not just lily yes no it's, it's both. he's all. currently <laughs> drinking his coffee all right it's okay cool. i've already i'm glad i'm glad caffeine. you guys do this together drugging up just get real <laughs> hopped up on stimulants <laughs> Woo! yeah i mean we're going to see an adorable puppy today so i want to be <laughs> Fully awake. So you have to have the strength in your arms to crush it if need be. (laughs) (laughs) And that is why you need the strength that coffee gives. Chemical strength. Artificial strength. Well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, it should be noted that it is early in the morning and I am sleepy. (laughs) They might not be because they've just ingested a metric ton of coffee. (laughs) But I am. Caffeine. It's the answer. I should run a campaign that's like dare, but dare to say yes to coffee. Wow. That would be terrible. (laughs) (laughs) You're a really bad thing to do. (laughs) I know. know. People already drink so much. (laughs) And with climate change, we're not going to be able to have coffee soon anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, like many foods that are going to disappear. Bananas are one of those. Me. Although that's less because of climate change and more because uh, we all focused on one particular breed of bananas. Yes. Which were all susceptible to the same disease, which is Mm -hmm. slowly but steadily spreading through all of them in the world. (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we had some time. Nah. (laughs) It's slow, like I said, slowly but steadily. (laughs) Well, I suppose we could hoard bananas now. I mean, I guess. I find bananas pretty... Babe, he makes the best banana bread. That doesn't mean that we can hoard bananas in the form of... (laughs) Babe! It's not how bananas work. I also find bananas pretty gross. I like bananas, and I like banana bread. Well, okay, I'm fine with eating bananas as they are. Just like, you know, because yeah. they're, they're a fun little on-the-go snack then. They got their own holder. <laughs> it's great. I hate banana in, like, anything else but bananas. Yeah, I actually agree with that. There's such a, like, strong flavor. I don't like bananas in stuff except for banana bread. Because that's, like, it's all about the banana. Anytime there's banana flavor where, like, banana flavor normally is not, I that is not a thing I'm going to be eating. <laughs> Well, but also banana flavoring is nasty. Good to know. 
I'm spitting facts. <laughs> should we should we get started? Yeah. Sure. Let's do it. It begins in the 1930s with a phenomenon called weird menace. I wait, Oh no. What? <laughs> I describe myself as that. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on my resume. So that's a gravestone writing right there. Okay, the weird that's like, menace. That's like, okay, so I don't know if you've been playing Pokemon, Eric. <laughs> okay. Oh All right. They released some new spooky Pokemon. Yep. I know. Oh and one of the moves is ominous void. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> You can edit this part out if you no, want. No, this is probably going to stay in. <laughs> I should have mentioned that I'm chatting with a couple of gigantic Pokemon Go nerds. <laughs> okay, one and a half Pokemon Go nerds. What? <laughs> you are... You... Okay, yesterday, we spent <laughs> the afternoon together. Uh-huh. Hey. Okay. Downtown at the uh, flat Burlington bike path that goes along Lake Champlain with him biking and me rollerblading. Wow. Playing Pokemon for two hours. Holy moly. We were... I'm not even going to comment. I also uh, tricked Mac because he thought that I had rollerbladed before. Okay. (laughs) That was your first time rollerblading. All right, everybody. Yes. (laughs) It was a long two hours. Congratulate Lily on her first time rollerblading in the comments or Uh, something. I I had a a lot of weird looks. (laughs) She did not look like the most comfortable rollerblader in the world. Because, like, every time I would go over a bump, I would go. (laughs) (laughs) I can can picture that very clearly. Yeah, I made some ungraceful noises. But I never fell. Good for you. So we, should we get back to Weird Menace? Yeah, we yeah, gotta stop. Yes. We gotta, we gotta stick sorry. on the story. Weird Menace were originally detective comic books. Okay, alright. The detective so comic weird books. Menaces. <laughs> it was a genre called Weird Menace. Wait, weird not Menace. Like a, a series? Like a genre. Oh. Like many books under multiple weird series By, fell, oh, fell into uh, this category because they were originally crime comic books that gradually included more and more supernatural elements and graphic violence, including oh. sadistic graphic torture. Uh, oh, well, let's thirties. What are you doing? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that Weird Menace is already like a home run of a name. Yes. But it has a better one. Oh no. <laughs> Another version of the of this specific brand of comic books according to Wikipedia was the Shudder Pulps. Oh. That's so much worse. <laughs> I don't like the word pulp when referring to anything other than fruit. No. Well, I don't like it in refer like in reference to literature. Well, this was like the height of pulp fiction. Like, this right. is this is when you know those the book the 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 books that would fall under that category came out. This is when the comic books were starting to gain ground as an artistic medium. Uh, comic books had only been like formalized in the '30s itself as this artistic medium. These stories eventually started retelling classic scary stories that are that were from the public domain, like sure. Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde or Frankenstein, think things of that nature. Classic scary stories that were retold as comics. There were also uh, there were a lot of influences from the Universal horror films. The first true horror comic books appeared in the nineteen forties, and. Okay. This is important because right after World War II ends, superhero comic books go way down in popularity. What? Yeah, that right. Makes sense though. There's no because there was no like villain to fight anymore. Exactly. Right? There was uh... during World War II. There was a big boom in superhero comics because uh, it was helpful for propaganda. We needed the idea of 
heroes fighting the bad guys. We need the idea that we would win. Nationalism. After that, superheroes were kind of seen as passe, you know, for a brief time. (laughs) And then in response to that, comics companies started to expand other genre fare like romance, western, or horror comics. Sure. It should be said that in the late 40s, the the horror comics were pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) Bad as in not that scary or like... They were creepy and, like, they were violent, but it's mostly just, like, like just pretty standard schlock exploitation kind of stuff. There's a lot of, like... Schlock? Oh, yeah, the the schlock exploitation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not an academic term, schlock. (laughs) What what is is schlock? Think cheesiness. Oh, okay, okay. As far as I can tell, and I haven't read a ton of the comics from this time period... it's mostly excuses to portray, like, pinup drawings in, like, situations of violence or suspense. Nice. Like, there's a lot, you know, it's, you know that you, like, you've seen looks like this. You've seen, you know, a damsel who, like, her clothes are just barely covering the sensitive mm. bits. Right. Fainting in the arms <laughs> of a monster. <laughs> the sensitive bits. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is the 1940s. What would you prefer I call them? <laughs> would you prefer I call them the slang term that boys would call them from this time oh, no. period? Oh, no. tell it, tell it, tell it. How oh, about God. headlights for tits? <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, headlights is what they called them. It only makes sense. It's the only logical explanation. You know? I mean, they do turn on and off. <laughs> And they do shine light brightly at anything they face. Yeah, I don't need a flashlight ever. <laughs> yeah. Goes into a closet. Just, yeah. Titties. <laughs> Pow! <laughs> this superhero just <laughs> that big like star. Uh, Shaman. Headlight right. woman. I think we found your uh, new superhero. That's what I'll be for Halloween. Yes. Uh, uh, well, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> the other contender is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. All right. Um, <laughs> so, like I said, it's not great. This stuff. It's not. There's comic books are still just beginning at this point, um, especially in like ni- the 1946. By 1948, horror comics start picking up steam, and by 1950, I wa- I think I read somewhere that the comic book industry had like gone up in size by about 600%. Like, they were experiencing a pretty big growth. Listeners, you can't tell, but my eyebrows just raised dramatically. Starting in the 19... In the early 1950s, comics would sell per month more than what comic books now sell in, like, half a year. Dang. Yeah. They were... They were very, very popular. Wow. Are we not getting back to Weird Menace? This was just like the precursor to comic, I mean... Yeah, Weird Menace is important because it's a precursor to horror comics. Ugh, but we're not talking more about it. There's, that's all that I'd said everything about it. Weird Menace, I miss you. <laughs> shudder Pulps. <laughs> I would be fine being called a Weird Menace. I don't want to be called a Shudder Pulps. <laughs> I feel like that's where my distinction goes. I think, I think 100% this genre should only be known as Shudder Pulps. <laughs> yeah. I like Weird Menace. Uh, yeah, anyway. Weird Menace is great, but this should be called Shutter Pulse. <laughs> However, despite the fact that the comics industry, well, probably because of the fact that the comics industry is growing so quickly, and so many of these books are horror comics and do depict pretty graphic uh, portrayals of violence, uh-huh. America takes issue with this. The conservative elements of America immediately go up in arms starting in around 1947-1948 about the horrible content in these comic books. I mean, that makes sense though. People start writing articles about how they're negatively affecting children. People start having demonstrations about, you know, how bad comic books are. Even in several towns across the United States from diff- like in a bunch of different states, they have book burnings. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and this is right. 1948, three years after we beat the Nazis. Uh, 
Americans, after this, burned comic books by the thousands. Oh, God. Yeah. There's there's one account of an organization going door to door explaining to parents that these comic books might, that all comic books might be bad for their children. Then if the parents agreed, taking the comic books from other people's houses and then burning them. Eh. (laughs) This just sounds like an organization of like pyromaniacs who found a specific outlet. (laughs) You can, well, you can look this up because like there are pictures of like parents gleefully emptying boxes full of comic books as like kids in the background watch kind of <laughs> stone-faced <laughs> those poor kids just like ah oh, dang it i spent a quarter on that <laughs> that, was that issue literally cost like... 10 cents that one was a quarter god oh, man <laughs> just two years of savings just being burned down the drain <sighs> now i gotta start all over again yeah However, this does not slow down horror comics. Well, no. Because I guess maybe, like, (laughs) the books are being burned so the kids had to buy more. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Plus, I feel like burning books historically hasn't, you know, made the ideological difference that those burning the books would have liked it to. Yeah, that's probably fair. Like, Nazis. Well, I mean, it did kind of work for the Nazis' purpose in Nazi Germany. Fine. <laughs> so half the time, it works. You should have 500, like... <laughs> it's, I mean, like, it did suppress, you know, ideas that the Nazis didn't like. That's, I mean, that's why it was horrible. Fine, fine. <laughs> so in the but 19- we beat them in the end. Yeah, yeah we sure did. <laughs> Ish. Early 1950s, a company named EC Comics bursts onto the scene, and the golden age of horror comics ensues. Sorry, what, what, this is the 50s? Yeah, early 50s. Starts in 19, in literally the year 1950. Nice. And it lasts until, all the way until 1954. Wow. <laughs> what a run. <laughs> a four-year golden age. Yeah. Horror comics blossom for this very small golden age. I feel like the ages in comic books last such a short amount of time. Like, there's the there's the Bronze Age and the Silver Age, and I have no idea when they happened in the main comic. Never mind, this doesn't matter. <laughs> there are all these different ages in comics, and comics have literally existed for less than 100 years. Well, no, that's not true. Comics have existed longer than that. Comics as a standardized, mainstream form of American culture have existed right. for less than 100 years. Enter a man named Dr. Frederick Wortham. Was he a real doctor? Yes. Wait, what kind of, like, a doctor doctor? Wortham doctorates. Is he like a, is he like a doctor? Like a, I'm gonna fix you up doctor? Is he like a doctor? He was like, a psychiatrist. for a long time. Oh, oh. So, that's so- bad. Psychiatrist writing horror horror books? Oh, he was not writing horror comics, my friend. Oh, no. He was writing about how they were terrible. He was an anti-comics activist. Oh. Oh. I was gonna say, he committed violence (laughs) because of comic books. No. Instead, he started writing in uh, the late 1940s, just like everybody else, it seems, about anti-comics stuff. He, he published several articles about how comics were terrible. There was uh, one called the, Psychopa- the Psychopathology of Comics. There was one about, like, the psychopathy of sex in comics. Nice. Yeah. He had started, just with all the rest of these activists, he had, st- he had watched the whole horror boom of the early 1950s, and he decided something had to be done. So he started interviewing and meeting with children and other psychiatric patients in New York City. At a variety of different clinics and hospitals. And he publishes a book in 1954 called The Seduction of the Innocent. Oh god, I bet this this is what ended the golden age. Here is arguments explaining why comics are terrible for children. Sure. First off, he thinks kids are using it to masturbate. Oh. Because they probably were. Because right. there were a lot of tantalizing drama drawings about of sure. women. Yeah. Sure. Headlights. 
there are a few other sexual complaints he had. He really did not like any of the hints that he saw of homosexuality. He was the first one to say that Batman and Robin might be gay, by the way. Yes. <laughs> no homo. And uh, he also really did not like the lesbian overtones in Wonder Woman. Gasp! <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. He wasn't right about Batman and Robin because the creators of Batman and Robin definitely did not intend for them to be seen as gay. But he was right about Wonder Woman. Yeah. Wonder it's... Woman was cre- was created by a couple that were into bondage and polyamory. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> The look Lily just gave Mac. Anyway. My podcast is so good at making people say things they don't want to say. So, just just to put this in retrospect. Uh, Wait, in retrospect? Not retrospect, that's not the in word. Perspective. In perspective. Perspective? Sure, okay. Yeah, just to put this in perspective. Stop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, like, don't have playboys and hustlers and porno mags yet right basically because i don't know what this dude would think if he saw that <laughs> kind of literature if he's this upset about but i mean comics. like pinups and stuff he, well pornography did existed. exist by this time yeah mm. oh we did we listened to that, that yeah one podcast the media majors oh yeah the media majors po- the, the media majors podcast from the uh, <laughs> media majors cast network thing <laughs> sorry you butchered that I'm sorry. major cast network thank you major cast network <laughs> yeah media majors has a, whole, a has a whole episode about pornography uh pornography definitely existed by this time and it existed for a long time and i don't and he wasn't attacking pornography necessarily he was attacking how this oh, it was geared towards children these kind of like hidden sexual themes were mm. being just given to children like whatever subliminal messages Fair sure enough. And he he really did not like the idea of homosexual stuff being presented to children like it was normal. Yeah. Sounds about par for the course for the thing. Yeah, he really did not like the idea that uh, children might think that homosexuality was normal because he thought that that was a form of sexual deviance. And he really thought that other forms of sexual deviance were also encouraged. For instance, he thought that comic books really engendered a... Uh, desire for violence against women in a sexual sense which like is true and fair yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not a terrible thing like if you're gonna harp on something like maybe he not talks, worth book burning but he talks a lot about how it would encourage sadist or masochist tendencies because he was also not a fan of comics where uh, a woman was portrayed as a master of two male slaves that kind of thing sure he really didn't like comments like that. Was that? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. There thing? were a couple. Oh. He's he has extensive references in this book. He has like whole panels that he just prints in his book, with little oh. captions. This fucking comic book. Yeah, he didn't like any references to sadism or masochism, which is like generally seen as just like another kink today. But presenting it as like a mainstream thing to children is problematic, and like having all these sexualized images of women in danger or being harmed would have that effect. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, there's a sequence in his book where he talks about how he, like, he remember that he is in, like, a asylum or hospital or something with, and usually dealing with uh, slightly disturbed people, but he was uh, in a, in a group with adolescent boys and and they were talking about comics and asked if they had, uh, if they were, if it was just them surrounding one girl alone, would they treat her similarly to how the villains treated her in the comic book? And they all said yes. So he had some, like, legitimate evidence to back up his claims. That's like, an he... important part. There are some, there is some legitimate stuff in his criticisms. Right. Okay. Especially because, like sexualized violence is so common today yeah in every mainstream action movie like that's such a large element yep it it absolutely is and like violence against women in real life is so pervasive yeah and this was also the era of movies where like the hero would just slap a woman across the face for being too emotional right 
mm. get yourself that kind together. of thing. And that that same like that same dynamic would happen in comic books, like in the in because they're emulating these gangster movies, you know, like they're right. they're taking their cues from them, and so like they'll have a guy slap a woman across the face the same way, right? And, and he notes that like when this happens, there is never any like repercussion for the man for doing so. Yeah, because it's completely accepted. Mm-hmm. Well, not by this guy. Yeah, not by Frederick. <laughs> Freddy. Wortham. But he doesn't stop there is the thing. Oh, Dr. Fred. <sighs> yeah. Darn it. He extends this to kind of all depictions of any violence in comic books. He's especially worried about, like, threats of, like, particularly graphic violence. Like, he really has a thing about, like, eyes being threatened. He has a, like, he presents a comic of, like, a woman who appears to be getting threatened with a hypodermic needle over her eye. I don't think in that comic story she gets stabbed through the eye. Like, they definitely don't show that. But she gets threatened and the implication is definitely there. And he really does not like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he also, like, there there were comics, you know, and it's a horror comic where he would point to, you know, someone being beheaded and, like, the guy holding up an axe and their head on the comic and he'd be like, this is insane! And it's like... Yeah. It's a horror comic, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Point of it. Point of it yeah. is good. Yeah. It's, yeah. And there were, you know, other stuff like cannibals, zombies, that kind of thing he would point to. Yeah. He also thought Superman was a fascist fantasy and and a xenophobic one. He thought that he thought that Superman was pointed at like anyone who looked foreign enough to not be American. And there is a legitimate argument that a lot of these superheroes are pretty fascist. Yeah. Really? Oh, for sure. Huh. Batman? Batman is a is a story about a rich man who uses all of his, like, extensive power and wealth to beat up poor people. Doing wrong. <laughs> he is a savior. He's, he is the superhero. <laughs> he's the Gotham savior. That, that Gotham deserves. He is no, he's a not rich person one. enforcing his own ideals on an entire city. Well, You're you breaking Mac's heart. Batman's kind of my idol. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm just saying <laughs> there's a legitimate argument for fascism in comic books. <sighs> okay, fine. Just, just try to leave Mac. <laughs> he also like takes issue with Superman's like powers. <laughs> like well, he, like he, he doesn't really get that Superman is supposed to be super strong. He, he, like, he still goes, like, but he shouldn't be able to lift up a building. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this I little... mean, realistically speaking. <laughs> yeah, he pulls a full, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson and goes, like, well, realistically, he couldn't lift it in that way. <laughs> Physics. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he... to be fair, Superman is totally OP when it comes to, like, <laughs> the, like the whole Superman-Batman movie. I didn't see it. I, I'm. I'm. I saw it on a on. plane. I like. There's no way that that should even be a fight. Dude can shoot lasers out of his goddamn eyeballs. And you're about to tell me that some Batman rich dude suits up in some like fancy armor. It's a fancy armor against just... a dude that can literally fly into space just by himself. <laughs> like no, that's you're no. Man's is an alien. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go on. Batman is a rich dude. Yeah, but a smart one. Yeah. That's his. That's his main thing on Superman. He's smarter than Superman. Is Superman dumb? Superman's not dumb, but he's not as smart as Batman. He was raised on a farm. Hey, nothing is. Whoa! Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're a Mac. Boy. I'm just saying, like, but like he people wasn't... can be smart who were raised on farms. Oh, okay. Mac. Okay. He's also. We Guys. should note for the podcast sake, <laughs> Mac is from rural Vermont. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> like. I'm not saying like just, it makes no sense for him to have this. Yeah, this prejudice. like weird prejudice against people raised on farms. Oh my! Because God. he himself is a firm boy. You guys are twisting my words. <laughs> you know, you literally said, "Well, he's raised on a farm." Like well, okay, as a justification okay. for him not being what, smart. Was he not homeschooled on the farm? No, I guess he went to public school because I went. Yeah, to I think so. He but then he to... dropped out because he like saved. I saw the movie. I saw the origins movie. He dropped out because he saved some kid on a bus, and then he was like, "Everyone knows my powers, so I'm done." He dropped out. I mean, Step you one. can. Didn't Mac, even you can be smart school. without getting like higher education. I I am not saying that you can't be, but I'm saying like without that higher education, he wouldn't be able to do the kind of complex math 
that Batman's doing. So it he's makes a sense. journalist. Like I like I said, it's hard to get a journalism job without higher education, but he seemed to manage that just fine. Fine. We'll come back to this at a later point. Yeah, but. and that's where we're going to take a break for an ad for another show <laughs> on the Major Cast Network. Hey, I'm Liam. And I'm Eric, and we host an anime podcast. Hold on, hold on. It's, it's funny. I, I don't like anime. And I do like anime. And we watch it, and we review it, and I Well, try I it. review it, and then you derail everything. Yes. Uh, it's called the Shmanime Podcast. It's on the Major Cast Network every other Wednesday. Do we commit to that? When did that happen? Oh, fuck, it's Tuesday, isn't it? <laughs> Every other Tuesday <laughs> on the Major Cast Network or iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Probably. So how are we feeling? What do we think about Frederick? What do we think about the state of comics in 1954? Well, Dr. Fred's got some, got some decent points. He's, I mean, he's also like, I don't want to blame him for being like homophobic and old and white etc because like it's the 50s it'd be weird if he weren't that and he's not like a raging religious homophobe he's more he's concerned from that like weird scientific standpoint of like how will this harm the family and our right nation's mental health yeah the 50s is like the veneration of the nuclear family in america Mm -hmm. they're big into it and like he seems to he seems to be one of those dudes who's like I don't mind if the gays do their thing away from me but how could they do that to their to our children I can't explain it to them <laughs> What am I supposed right. to do if my if my children see a gay person Right and that's an argument that people still have today so Yeah So he's not he's not he's as not hateful as he, as he could, could be. be yeah but which he's is also not great Yeah he also does suck Here's the thing. He also claimed that uh, the comics industry would force vendors into selling this bad stuff. The comics industry. That big, powerful... Syndicate of bads. That's that's definitely what he depicts it as. He definitely makes it like a broader attack. He focuses on like crime and horror comics and occasionally romance comics. But he really does make it like all of comics is bad and they're hurting your children. That's like his main thesis. I wonder what he would think about video games. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into that a little bit later. That's that's de- th- these are definitely going to be like the the consequences like a, of this. Yeah, this is like video game precursors. He so whips people up into a frenzy that it reaches the American government. Whoa. Yeah, he goes on to provide expert testimony to the Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency, a series of hearings in Congress. Congress <laughs> investigating the comics industry. Yeah, but like Congress Hey, getting I don't something know. done, you know? I mean there was like the whole caning of chart of what's his face. William Sumner. Yeah, William Sumner, like I don't know. It, Congress isn't that yeah. honorable. But that was like in that legit. Was, that was like the 1800s. This is yeah, that was a while like ago. The 1950s. Still. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and here's the interesting part. Um, just recently, a person named Carol L. Tilly wrote about uh, Wortham's research, and her—I don't actually know there. Sorry. Just one point. Was he like? into and part of the book burning or was that i don't think he was directly involved in that no okay i think that was just something towns took upon themselves back to carol tilly carol tilly finally got their hands on wortham's archival notes because they had been kind of locked up for a long time there were just boxes and boxes of archival notes and yeah comparing the notes to the book, there were some discrepancies. Oh, okay. And the conclusion of Tilly's article is that Wortham manipulated, overstated, compromised, and fabricated evidence to support his own findings. Mm. All right, so this is the noise that my eyebrows are making. Shoop. And that's, that's <laughs> them raising. Very, very high. This is this is a long time later. Obviously, this was just a few years ago that this happened. Oh, oh no! Really? Oh shit! And there's just yeah, yeah. This because like I said, the um, 
the the notes were in lockup for such a long time. Mm. Well, yeah, he was and manipulating them. Most of his da- most of his most of the stuff he says is based on real data, uh, but like he overstates how many people he met with over the course of his like seven year study. How severe the reactions were. He said that he would meet with like five hundred children per year, mm-hmm. and it was more likely five hundred children total. Right. See, that's a lot of ki- that's a lot of kids a day. Like, yeah. Well, he had a lot of little like book groups banging them out. Oh, don't use that terminology. <laughs> there were the, there were times where like he cited uh, homosexual youth as saying that uh, Batman and Robin's relationship was part of what inspired him. When actually, the 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 one youth was a homosexual couple, who one of them said they identified with Robin when they read it, and they just liked the idea of a healthy male to male relationship. Right. Sure. They a didn't like out and out will. say like this was what caused me to be gay, yeah. which was definitely how he portrayed it. And there's a lot of little like he would like shift around little facts and usually to make it sound like the kid was talking directly about comics Mm -hmm. when about half the time they would also say that they'd been watching a lot of movies or whatever. Mm. Right. Like it's more than one medium that does this. Like it's easy to prove a connection between comic books and and psychosis when 80% of all children and teenagers read comic books at least a bit in america at this point Mm -hmm. in history and you're exclusively interviewing people who are already in mental hospitals Mm -hmm. (laughs) like yeah it's like faking the correlation yeah he's he's implying that comics are causing this but are also a symptom of this and it's more like everyone read comics at the time right Including is all it was the not so great people yeah there is some like truth to his stuff like there are there is stuff about like kids citing like i liked seeing this woman in jeopardy like it like it gave me feelings mm. like <laughs> headlight feelings <laughs> yeah there's there like there's definitely truth to that right but he also overstates it and like 70% of the people he was interviewing had behavior problems of some kind. Right. It's easy to draw that conclusion. It's easy to say that comic books make you go crazy when you're interviewing exclusively comic person. book readers who went crazy. <laughs> who went crazy, yeah. yeah. Doc's not really getting a representative sample of his, uh, of his, of population. his population. Yeah, like his control sample was uh, were people in a mental clinic. So not not the most rigorous scientific process. Mm. But doesn't matter to Congress. Congress does not directly punish the comics industry. But okay. they do strongly recommend that comics tone down its content. Okay. And what they mean is you guys should voluntarily censor yourselves. Oh. Well, that's a, that's like a, a light slap on the wrist. That's like, and that's exactly that. what the comics industry does. <laughs> they form the Comic Magazine Association of America, and they form the CCA, the Comics Code Authority, Ooh. under Magistrate Charles Murphy. Magistrate. They set down, yeah, New York magistrate, magistrate, magistrate. They set down all kinds of rules about what content you can display and what content you can't. All of the major comics companies now feature the CCA seal, which, you know, means they follow the comics code. Is that the stamp? Uh, It doesn't, it's, it's not a thing anymore. Oh. The ones who don't display the seal back in the fifties mostly get blackballed by vendors. EC Comics, the one that helped cause the uh, horror boom. Yeah. They pretty much stopped publishing comics, like comic books, but because they're talented and versatile, they shift into magazines. Right. And uh, that's part of how Mad Magazine was created. Oh. Because, cl- because classifying it as a magazine meant that it wasn't subject to the CCA. Right. So they were allowed to satirize and be gross in Mad Magazine without fear of 
offending the CCA. Mad Magazine is a pretty raunchy, or, I mean, the ones that I have read. It's a pretty, like, standard satire parody magazine. Yeah. Anyway, that's how, that's, this is the, this has happened to be the origin story of Mad Magazine. I didn't (laughs) realize. So, here's the thing. The big ones, the big complaints that Wortham had, I want to say, were against homosexuality, they were against violence against, well, sexual violence of any kind, but specifically, mostly against women. Sure. And they were against graphic depiction of, depictions of violence and depictions of, and presenting, he, uh, presenting fascists as heroes. Right? What about the sensitive bits? That, oh, the, the, the headlights. <laughs> the headlights and... <laughs> that's, that's part of the, uh, uh sexualized violence against women oh okay Sensitive pretty violence. much what happens here though what the comics code authority does is say you can't do over-the-top violence and you can't do over-the-top nudity or any kind of like straight-up sex or rape and they also ban a lot of like other stuff that wortham didn't real or that seems kind of tangential to me sure and it bans profanity it does not as far as i can tell specifically prohibit violence against women nice yeah classic yeah i mean because it doesn't matter because we've solved it today anyway yeah (sighs) Uh, it says sex perversion or any inference to same is strictly forbidden and or any interest to what inference to same inference to same it's instead of being like no violence against women instead of being like you know don't make things that will make kids want to hurt people it's like no violence no sex go <laughs> take all the go, fun go, stuff go, out go, of comic go. books <laughs> yeah also th- my favorite part of this is that uh he that is that wortham talked about how he didn't how he thought superman was fascist and there's a part in one of the rule one of the general standards from the Congress code authority is policemen judges government officials and respected institutions shall never be presented in such a way as to create disrespect for established authority fascism yeah <laughs> so these so this is literally like comic book people coming together and making these rules for themselves yeah so they were like they came together like all right guys so <laughs> So what are all the things What's that the make... What's the takeaway here? <laughs> what makes comic books worth reading? Let's take yep. that stuff out. Let's just have... have what are people mad at this. us for? Like, yeah. it's, it's fucking <laughs> sex and violence, right? All right, gone, gone, go, go, we're good. Go. Also, disrespect against the state. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, also, no no, no cop killing, no cop bad-mouthing, no cop anything except good copping. Good copping. Good copping. The best copping. Yeah. They also ban a couple other stuff, like comics weren't allowed to have the words crime or terror in their titles. In their titles? Yeah. Oddly specific. Right? Like the words. Uh, They also banned zombies, vampires, ghouls, cannibals, and werewolves. No! Just completely banned them. That's why (laughs) there was the whole vampire and werewolf uh, fad recently, because they were banned for so long. The bans were enforced pretty strictly into, like, the early 70s, I want to say. Sure. Which is a while. Yeah. It's, like, 15 years. Mm. 20 years. Also, one... And they're, like... Okay, so there are a million stories from this time of, like, how artists responded to the CCA, how the industry responded, how other people responded to it. Mm -hmm. There's, like, uh, a penciler for Archie Comics in an act of rebellion would pencil in the female characters with their clothes on on the first page they appeared in and for the rest of it he they wouldn't have clothes on and he would just make his inkers put the clothes on them (laughs) which is kind of just an asshole move if you ask me (laughs) it's just like i'm gonna make my my fellow colleagues do do more work because i'm unhappy that's Uh. like it Mom has a story from when she was working in a law firm, and, like, she said that, like, the the partners were assholes anyway, but this guy got really fed up and, like, had to turn in some big, like, manuscript or something, mm-hmm. like, 
many, many, many pages. Yeah. He put it on the desk, quit, and was like, I also put the word fuck in this three times. And this is like, you know, the 80s, so they don't yeah. have any way to search. <laughs> yeah. Can't but, do can't do control F. But he actually only put it in twice. Oh, that's <laughs> so mean. That's so good. Oh, uh, what but, a dude. Like, <laughs> like, the worst part was that the people, you know, the partners didn't have to look. It's like, you know, the guy's colleagues who were yeah. also being treated shitty that had to, like, search for it. Yeah. But yeah. If you ever want to quit and give a big F you. To everybody. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Literally F you. Yes. <laughs> Where was I? Oh yeah, so there's the, there's the one guy who wouldn't draw clothes on his female characters because I guess he thought women should always be naked? I mean, yes. This okay. is a reasonable thing to expect. Okay. The world is uh, so bright, though. I'm also... Fuck. <laughs> 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 there's so much light everywhere. <laughs> there's also a part of... Uh, there's part of the CCA that says that you're not allowed to attack any kind of religious group or racial group. Not allowed. Which is a good rule to have. Yeah. No, I like that. I, I, yeah. I'm down. However, Charles Murphy, the magi- the judge in charge of all this, at one point there was a sci-fi comic that at the very end they had, they'd had an astronaut kind of doing stuff with the suit on, and at the very end he takes the mask off and it's a black guy. <gasps> Scandal. Yeah. The judge... The judge took offense to this. He said it... He said it... Uh, it, Ugh, it infringed like on the CCA. Ugh. Yeah, and literally what the all the artists had to do to, like, get him to quit was say that, like, literally I'll just go to the press and say that you wouldn't let me print this because it had a black guy in it. And the guy was like, oh, all right. <laughs> all right, fine. But that portrays black people as smart, intelligent, and capable of doing things. And astronauts, which is patently false. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He said it was un-American. Yeah. So it's it feels like the comics industry wasn't all that hurt by the CCA, and especially superhero comics, because they really had a resurgence then. The comics industry isn't all that hurt, and obviously the comics industry is doing pretty okay today, even if yeah. the main ones can't tell their ass from their elbow. Yeah. Nazi cap. Yeah, really? Hey, I have an idea. Let's hire a guy who tried to be a conservative politician in Cincinnati to write our Captain America comic books. That sounds good. And make good. him a Nazi. Yeah. Let's make it. Let's make him a Hydra yeah. agent for no reason. In the last year, like, the most recent Captain America comics, they made him, like, a Nazi. Captain America? Yes. They made, they made him an agent of Hydra. Oh. Um, so, you know. So, so there's, there's a nice little thing of him, like, you know looking at you the reader and going hail hydra and it's all of course it turns out to be like a double cross and like captain america was secretly good captain america all along well sure or it was like a mind trick or something but the guy who writes it is an idiot yeah Mm. and like he's done plenty of other objectionable stuff he once had like a like a, a super villain group that were literally just like social justice warriors Nice. Like, I think that might have literally been their name. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. Nick Spencer, he sucks. Anyway, the the people who really suffered from the CCA were the horror, the horror comics artists, actually. Yes. There is a... For an, there, a lot of people's careers got ruined by this. Um, for one, there was a guy named Graham Ingalls. Uh, he went by Ghastly Graham Ingalls because he was one of the big masters of horror over at EC Comics and other places. And after the CCA went into effect, he kind of tried to shift into other comics, but he really just couldn't. Like, he was really right. specialized into horror, and he pretty much retired. Aww. Then and there. That's like, nice. he went off and, like, tr- like, taught painting in Florida or something. Oh, you know you That's hit rock life. bottom. And you're teaching old people how to paint. That's yeah. like uh, Bob Ross. And he apparently would like never even reference his horror comics past. <laughs> no, that wasn't me. That was a different time. Looks yeah. off into the distance. I'm a different man. Now. <laughs> I've changed, I'm... Dorothy. <laughs> you can't get me back. 
<laughs> they're trying to recruit him back. Oh, God. All right, yeah. We need you, Engels. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like that can't feel <laughs> Try and shoot me in the stomach. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the CCA. That's the story of the CCA. It would eventually, it got relaxed in the early 1970s, but it was literally not until 2011 that DC Comics officially stopped having the CCA seal. Is there... Oh, weird. Is there, yeah. like, now... It, like, but it doesn't exist. It's completely defunct now, yes. Is there, like, an alternative? Like, did they come up with a with a second version, or is it just, like, no whole Not body? really. Like, show how many, however many headlights you want, like... Yeah. Huh. I mean, think about it. Comics today pretty much do whatever they want. I haven't, It's been a long time since I've read a comic book, mm. to be completely well, fair. I mean, in the '80s, like comic comic books got real dark again. Mm. I so mean, the comic it was, books that I read aren't that dark, like Lumberjanes and Squirrel. Yeah, Ball. and a lot of the dark comic books are not great. And I think a lot of this is partially the CCA is doing. Like, when you make a conversation about like whether graphic violence should be depicted into like we have to censor this violence, you're gonna make the industry that you're censoring just want to. Right. Like, do dark stuff. Yeah. I feel like this whole story is, like, a perfect storm of people having, like, some good points and some bad points and completely misunderstanding each other. Yeah. Like, Wortham had <laughs> some legitimate politics. criticisms. Yeah. Wortham had some, like, legitimate criticisms, but he also had a lot of stupid bullshit. Yeah. And it was all exaggerated. Yeah, and he's remembered for the stupid bullshit because of his stupid bullshit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because that allowed people to just ignore the actual points he could have made. Hmm. And so when the CCA goes into effect, most of the stupid bullshit is amplified. Uh. Like, Wortham is remembered because of the CCA, and the CCA mostly was not great. Was remembering the stupid bullshit. <laughs> yeah, because it's because it's comics people reacting to, like, the surface criticisms. Like, they're not reacting to, like, oh, yeah, maybe we should tone down violence against women a bit. It, it does feel like we're engendering something here that we shouldn't be. It's just, like, people don't want violence. People don't want sex. We're done. <laughs> be nice to cops. That's that's all we got to teach you. <laughs> and also, no black astronauts. It's been so bland. There's also a fun moment uh in there where it says that good shall always triumph over evil like evil was never allowed to win ever like even like could they do like the split comics where like one it ends you on a cliffhanger or like that wasn't even i think cliffhangers might have been okay but like mm. good had to triumph in the end mm. yeah and i think also we, we talked about the video games thing i also think it does inform the whole video game violence conversation right People are so quick to scream censorship nowadays for, like, standard criticism. And yeah. if we had started with standard criticism in the beginning... Instead of actual censorship. Instead of actual censorship, people would probably have a healthier relationship with it. Look at you drawing a big moral thingy for big-time whoopsies. Aw, that big moral thingy. That's, yeah, that, that was, that's the subtitle of the podcast. <laughs> big moral thingies. <laughs> Eric McAdams, draw a big moral thingy. From big yeah. time whoopsies. <laughs> Should we get to the pickle? I'm ready for the yes, pickle. Yes, pickle for the knowing ones. Particularly since I am a knowing one now. <laughs> the, uh, we're, we're doing a bit of a spooky theme, as you might have guessed. Yeah. We had the horror comics, spooky. and now we're going to have a ghost story. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the year is 1626. <laughs> The spookiest year ever. <laughs> Is it October? Because it's October now. It's April. Shit. That's a spooky time. <laughs> <laughs> Flowers are kind of scary, right? <laughs> There's April Fool's Day. It's April, supposedly, I should say. Do we, do we know who Sir Francis Bacon is? Uh... I have read some of his essays. Yeah. There's a guy that makes skis that names one of his skis. The nope, 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 just, nope. Okay, okay. Just, you could just pump your brakes there, Vermont boy. <laughs> Firm boy. Ouch, Vermont boy. Jeez. You were talking about skiing. So Francis Bacon was a politician and philosopher. Uh, he was real interested in science, that shit. He, he was like, 
the Lord Chancellor of England for a little while. And in 1626, Francis Bacon died of pneumonia. As I'll say it again, better than shitting yourself to death. Yeah. So common. 1626, he dies of pneumonia, and there's something of an urban legend surrounding his death. Ooh, okay. The story goes that he was traveling with a doctor companion of his, who the doctor is supposedly named Dr. Witherbone, which, like, no, he fucking wasn't. (laughs) If I ever have a nickname, I want to be it. I want it to be Dr. Witherbone. (laughs) Not Mac Big Sack Rogers. (laughs) Did I ever tell you, uh... Mac's nickname, Mac Big Sack Rogers. <laughs> not, oh, God. That's not... That he created for himself. Because no! Of, no, because... Uh, because of cornhole. You guys aren't... You're twisting oh, the situation and... Like beanbag sacks. You didn't think of the connotation? <laughs> I don't need... I don't need... He really wanted to make it a thing. Oh, I did not. Re- I said it as a joke and you guys took it as real. You can tell it's true because he's so flustered. Please talk, call me Dr. <laughs> Witherbone from now on. I don't, I don't want to be known... Only I, until the end of October. Yeah. And I then am, you're big sack again. Fine. But I'm Dr. <laughs> Witherbone up in... That's going to be my Halloween costume somehow. All right. But Dr. Witherbone... They were having a discussion about how best to preserve food, the story goes. And Bacon thought that one method that might work... Yeah, I know. <laughs> Bacon thought that one method that might work for preserving meat was freezing it. Okay. He thought it might preserve the food. Sure. This was, oh, sorry, I guess this take, this takes place in late March. Oh, no, no, he dies in April, so this takes place in late March, supposedly. Sure. sure. Still very cold in England. Still got snow on the ground. So they shoved some shit in the snow. Bacon was eager to test his idea, says an article on Gizmodo. Bacon was eager to test his idea. <laughs> so he had his carriage make a stop, bought a chicken, slaughtered it... Ugh. And then packed it with snow. And while doing so, he became chilled and then feverish and got pneumonia. <laughs> that is the that is the legend surrounding <laughs> Sir Francis Bacon's death. But he was probably right. And in the years since, on the site of Bacon's grave, no. people say that they have seen a ghost. <laughs> Carry <laughs> on a chicken! Don't tell me. The ghost that they say they've seen, and this is... The most recent sighting was in 1970. 1970! (laughs) 350 years? Is not of Francis Bacon, but of a headless chicken (laughs) that has half of its feathers plucked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) That's good spooky quacking. <laughs> squawking. That should be your new Twitter. Spooky squawking. <laughs> spooky squawk. Oh my Me. god. Oh man. <sighs> Do they? Is it a a, a man sized chicken or just, <laughs> just a, a, a small chicken? Just a normal chicken. And the 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 rumor. I, I this is this is absolutely not real. Like there's no way that yeah. any of this happened. Right. But the rumor really, like, started to gain ground in World War II when people were so hungry due to, like, the, the shortages of food because, like, air raids, stuff like that. They couldn't get all the... They wanted to find so, his chicken. So they would, like, hallucinate a chicken or they'd see a bird and it would run away. And so they're like, it was the ghost chicken! <laughs> Insert waving hands here. Ghost chicken! No! I swear! That's not! Like they would come back! They would try to catch it and they'd say it would run through walls, that kind of thing. (laughs) To get away. Soldier like chasing a chicken just goes straight into a wall. (laughs) Chicken! Fuck. God damn it. Got me again. And that is the legend of the Highgate chicken ghost. (laughs) I wouldn't necessarily say that this is a story of a absurd competence it absolutely is <laughs> do you know how competent you have to be for a chicken to stay as a ghost that long that is one chicken that has an incredibly strong spirit to live <laughs> this isn't a story of competence for the humans this is a story of competence for the chicken you guys see the that? chicken is like 
Man, I died way too early. There's a story <laughs> of a chicken that lived Fuck headless this philosopher. for like, I don't know, like two years? What? Yeah, there's a there's that a way. chicken that lived headless for like two years. Genuinely. Oh yeah, no, there are chickens who have lived for a long time headless. It's ridiculous. Those guys are strong spirits. You know? Chickens are strong. They're strong animals. <laughs> They're scary. Strong. I don't know if you've ever been pecked by one. Terrifying. Alright, that's that's the end. Do you guys have anything on the internet you want to plug? Uh, obviously, my Twitter, Lil Ghoul. It's at Lilicate underscore MC. I'm Thank you, Lily. not actually that funny. Uh, she, she's got a good Twitter account. Don't listen to her. Uh, that's all I got. I've been watching a lot of Hulu. Shouts out to Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Mac plugs Hulu. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do mine real quick if that's okay. My name is Eric McAdams. This has been Big Time Whoopsies. If you want to see more, you can follow me on Twitter at AudaciouslyYours. You can find my personal website, NoCharacterIsSafe.com. If you want to go to PasteMagazine.com and search my name, Eric McAdams, you'll find a bunch of stuff that I've written. Like so much also, stuff. Yeah, Aren't like hundreds writing, like, of news posts. Eight articles a day. I That's my record, is, is eight in one day. Yeesh. Uh, and then you can also check out the other podcast that I do on the MajorCast Network. Uh, which is the Schmanime podcast, which isn't very good, and we'll also be having a new one with me on it coming out pretty soon. Wait, what? Yeah. We'll stop the recording and then we'll hear about it. We won't give it all away. Yeah. All right, say goodbye. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. It's been real. This is a very formal, serious goodbye. (laughs) Wait, what what is my nickname? Dr. Witherbone? Yes. (laughs) Dr. Witherbone. (laughs) Formerly and futurely known (laughs) As Big Sack. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.